what happens when you have a customer who is toxic? How do you approach that and still maintain a, a culture of customer service? Those things at their surface uh, seem to be at odds with one another. Uh, but what, what does that look like? I want to start by introducing uh, our panel, and I want you to know that um, as we started talking about this topic in this conversation, uh, that we, I started asking of my team uh, and of professionals in the industry, hey, can you give me some names of people who really get this? Uh, and these were names that came up over and over and over again. And I'm so honored to, to be able to moderate this panel. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask uh, each of you to introduce yourselves. Uh, Melissa, if you don't mind to, uh, to go ahead and get us started there. Oh, is that because I'm the seasoned veteran? Hi, everybody. I'm Melissa Prandy coming to you from Northern California, just between the Golden Gate Bridge and the wine country, Marin County. And I've got 40 years, March 27th doing this. And I learned from all of you. I can't wait to share best practices. Hi, Karen Jordan. Yeah, I've got I've got 41 years, but it'll be 42 in May. Uh, you're talking about birthdays, right? So. Yeah, yeah. I'm turning 60 this year. Well, you had to bring it up. <laughs> so awesome. All right, Didi. Hi, everybody. Didi Lee, uh, 18 years in the business, um, broker of Skyline Properties Group, a pure property management company out here in uh, Woodstock, Georgia. All right. And let's go to Ian Joseph. I'm Ian Joseph, uh, the Joseph Group. We're just north of Seattle in Washington, uh, 15 years in the business. We do property management, sales, construction, and maintenance. Awesome. Very good. Well, what an incredible group of people. And uh, just so you guys know, uh, I've got the chat pulled up. Uh, so if there are those of you who want to ask questions of the panel, I'll try to uh, work those in as we go. Um, but what we want to talk about today is creating a culture of customer service and how to make that an institutional part of the fabric of your identity, where it's not something that is an afterthought. Uh, I mentioned, uh, and I, I got made fun of for using the word entropy uh, in, in my uh, introduction, but there is this concept of entropy that things don't naturally get better. They naturally get worse. And if it's not something that you have a laser focus on, it's not something that is going to just organically happen. Uh, it's got to be something that you believe in. So how do you build something? How do you create a team? How do you create a culture within your company that is going to consistently deliver wow experiences? Uh, Mitt Romney uh, of Bain Capital and a former presidential candidate uh, said that with every interaction that you have with another human being, you either raise or lower your stock. Um, how do we make it so that with every engagement with a client, our stock as a company, our stock as an individual goes up? Uh, what, what does that look like? Um, because if you get the culture right, a lot of that other stuff just kind of falls in on its own, right? So let's talk uh, at the beginning. And I asked this question of the Facebook group. Um, but uh, who do you guys define as, when we talk about customer service, creating a culture of customer service, who do you guys define as the customer 
in your business? I could jump in, Phil. Um, Do it. This was an interesting question that you you kind of posed, and I'm looking at this, you know, from from the firm owner or broker, and it's a hard lesson I actually had to learn, but. About two years ago, I, I totally switched kind of how my outlook on this. And, and my job each and every day is, is to, to grow and focus on my team. So for me, the team uh, is my client. And if I take care of the people in the business, they're going to take care of the business. So, so for me, um, I, you know, I, when I talk with potential owners, clients, I always tell them, um, you know, at the end of the day, the tenants are the ones paying you rent. And if you don't get rent, we don't get paid as property managers. So I ask my owners, um, you know, our tenants are our customers. And how would you want to become, like, what kind of service provider do you want to be? Do you want to be the, the Chick-fil-A kind of um, service provider to our customer? Or do you want to be you know, the McDonald's, right? Any McDonald's fans, I, I apologize. Um, but it kind of starts their mindset of seeing the, the tenants as a customer and um, helping them understand that we want to be the top of class, right? Service providers to our tenants. And if I you're like a McDonald's fan, you, you chose the wrong room. I'm just saying. Uh, Melissa? Um, I just want to add, uh, well, I've learned a lot about Chick-fil-A. I've never been there, never been to McDonald's either. But anyway, so I just want to add that I think everyone's our customer and that sounds so generic, but the greatest compliment we ever get here at Prandy Property Management is when a tenant comes back as an owner and has bought a piece of investment property and they hire us. So I think from the time I walk into a coffee shop to a restaurant, um, you know, customers are everywhere. Um, but I really believe, I, I really listened to Ann when we did our, our practice part of it as empowering our employees is the most important thing. Our team members happy that goes straight out to the community. So I, I think that um, looking at our team always is one of the most important factors, but the customers are everywhere. That's really valuable. You know, we, we talk about with our team at Onsite Pros um, that the property manager is our client. Um, we have nothing to gain from having a wow experience with the tenant. Uh, and yet one of our core values is we value people and we treat everyone with dignity and respect. And as a result, it doesn't matter whether there's a, a financial benefit for us to have a wow experience with the tenant. Uh, it, it matters whether you live your core values. And you know, so for us, we treat everyone with that mentality of having a great customer service experience because it's who we wanna be. Um, so, well, let me, let me ask this, um, you all have a reputation in this industry, uh, and it's, you're on the, uh, the panel. Um, when did you start to realize the importance of customer service and why we talked about the aha moment? Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to go to Ian first, cause Ian, I've seen some incredible things that you've been doing. They reference, I hope everyone will go back and see Ian's welcome packet that he's doing for tenants uh, in the in the triple win uh, Facebook group. But Ian, when did you start to realize the importance of customer service and, and why did you did you make that pivot? Uh, great question. So I I one of my mentors was a big systems process kind of um, 
command and control. And, and that's, that's kind of where I came from. And so that's sort of how I ran my business when I first started it in, in 2017, um, when, when we started our own company. And it was just constant headaches, con- constant letdowns, um, not a fun environment and a lot of turnover. And I just said, hey, this obvious is, isn't working. And it, and it starts with you, right? You're the leader. He, it has to start with you. And I said, well, even though it, my tagline was everyone's replaceable, I said, well, what's the opposite of that? And it was, hey, no one's replaceable. Um, and then what, so what does that mean? And, and I had to learn that. And we just, we started investing in the team and kind of changing our, out, changing our outlook and our, our hiring process. And, and that did start to bleed out. Um, and this is, you know, we're still in the middle of our journey, but it's been about two years now. And it's just a totally different environment here. And, and every day we, we are sort of focused on the kind of the resident experience, the owner experience, taking care of our vendors, like Melissa said, and are, in fact, when we did strategic planning for this year, the, the only goal um, for me was, was that in engineering these wow moments, the client experience. And if I just focus on this, the re- everything else will just sort of fall in place. Um, and I did drop the, the resident experience into, into Facebook. I don't post a lot, but I was proud of that, but also because it took me nine months to get there. And it was kind of sad that it took me so long, but that is the level of effort and thought put into this one little moment. And to me, that's a wow moment. A wow moment is not a gift card or these, if, if they're, if they're not having tingles, you know, or they're literally saying, wow, you're just doing a good job, you know? And so working up nine months for this, you know, 10 seconds of, of them moving into the house um, was an accomplishment for me. So, and my team really, because now, you know, they got to make it happen. Yeah. I was, I was in your office in, in Seattle uh, a little less than a month ago and I was in your conference room and I I saw the the materials that you had had put together uh, for your welcome packet. And that was something that I looked at and thought, man, they have done this at such a high level. You can tell the value they put into this uh, through the, the effort you had put into that. And then when I saw it in the picture, I was like, man, I'm getting tingles looking at a picture. I can't imagine what it'd be like for a resident to move in and, and see that and that welcome them to the home. Uh, Melissa, Didi, anything that you would have to add? When, when did you start to realize the importance of, of a customer service culture and and what, what did that look like in your, your business? Uh, well, I'll jump in. Um, so day one, of course, but I'm, I'm, I love customers. I love people. But I think the way to look at it is nowadays with reviews online, take that negative review and experience that to turn it around. So I get a lot of those. So if we get a negative review and hopefully they're few and far between, but take a team member in and let the team member be with you as you put out the fire, so to speak. And it's amazing how they can be rude to my team, but I get on the phone and they're as nice as can be because I'm the owner. But I think I'm empowering my team. I love to see someone start in my company as a receptionist and become a, a head of the um, um the accounting department now and she we all do retreats and if you're not doing a retreat you should talk to your owner your manager company retreats once a year or twice a year are some of the best things we've done and we take last one was communication and the one before that was on customer service so you learn a lot from each other team members not just our narpam family so learn from each other within your company i totally agree with that um, yeah, I totally agree with Melissa on the t- on the t- company retreats. We do that once a year as well. Um, huge benefits, and for for me, you know, I'm a natural um, nurturer, 
if you guys know about five voices, that's my one of my top voices is a nurturer. So customer service kind of is like natural to me. I'm a people pleaser. But, you know, when it comes to the team, not everyone uh, was born that way. So it's it's on us as owners um, to continue the training. Right. So um, we implement training all the time, um, not just at the one time company retreats. Uh, we take the book, The Customer Service Revolution, and I, I break down the chapters. And during our uh, staff meetings, I'll take one you know, tidbit from that book and we talk about it as part of our meeting. So we discuss customer service all the time. It's always on top of mind. Um, so when you know staff members go about their day, they remember customer service, customer service. Picking up the phone. It's so easy. Pick up the phone. Wow, what a phenomenon. I mean, pick up the phone and call the person. They are so shocked when you do. I think we taught, you know, someone mentioned this before is, uh, uh, Phil, um, entropy. It's like, you know, our job is not easy. We get complaints. We get angry people. When we do our jobs, we get angry people. So it's easy to lose that. But, um, you know, if you continue to remind your the team or teammates, remind each other. Don't forget, right? Don't forget to to do, always do the right thing. Yeah. So, okay. So you guys, you know, you had the light bulb. You, it, it's part of your DNA to say, hey, you know, I want to to have a culture that is defined by those wow experiences. Um, that you know, whether it was you know inherently a part of who you are, like it was from Melissa and Didi, or it was a an aha moment uh, that was almost antithetical the way that Ian had started to approach the business. You, you started to believe that, okay? But how do you then take your team with you? How do you, how do you get from point A to point B uh, and, and get your team on board with that? What, what does that look like uh, to, to bring them along with you? Um, so um, we have a board called Positively Prandy. Um, and we found that giving each other accolades, so we're in a negative world, right? So what I think is really cool, we have a goal of sending three to five thank you cards a week. When it gets busy, that's the first thing to go. But what I really love is when people started writing on the board, good things about each other, thanking each other, stop and thank your coworkers. Because if we can get the energy up in a positive light, the custom, Ian said this when we were talking on our panelist rehearsal, is if we can get our, our employees happy, it, the customer service just goes out naturally with the wow moment. So start within your team and be kind to one another. Go for a walk, do things together because that goes out to the public every single day, every single minute. I, I can jump in, Didi, unless, unless you want to go next. Yeah. <clears throat> for me, again, it always it starts with you, right? You always, you know, extreme ownership is is one of my values. And so for me, I had to define my my company values which which should come from your personal and um and family values and one thing we've learned is that our core values are the filter in which all decisions should be made and so whether or not you're the broker owner or leadership or property manager or leasing coordinator your values need to match the company values or it's not going to work um and so we talk about it. You know, once we've defined it, they're not just words on a wall. We talk about it every week. We, we, you know, I sort of have a def definition of them, but I want to know from my team how they define them, what it means to them, how how they're living it, um, where they are showing up or falling short, where I am showing up or falling short, and as a company, 
And now, again, two years later, since we've made sort of made this this shift, the the teammates that weren't going to fit that have sort of filtered out themselves, or or I've had to sort of liberate them back to the workforce. Um, and and again, really, yeah, that's it. I mean, the 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 hardest lesson I've had to learn is the values of the filter in which all decisions are made, you know, day in and day out. So. So I, I love that liberate them out into the world. Um, for for me, I think it starts with a hiring process. I'm a firm believer on using personality tests. Right, we use DISC to to see if um, they might be good at a certain job, and then I use the five voices test to determine whether they have some nurture in them. Because over time, I, I just learned if they if their nurture voice is like super low on the scale. It's, it's going to take a lot more training to get them to understand customer service. Like somebody in an accounting role or something like that, they might have a low, right, nurturer um, voice. But I think customer service can be trained, which is why we train constantly. Um, and, and then, you know, going back to the team is, is how you treat your team is it will bleed through to your customers, your clients. Um, our team language, like we, we only use support and clarify languages. What that means is, you know, we're either supporting each other or if you're, if you have a disagreement with each other, or you don't understand why someone did something, we, we ask, hey, just for clarification, it, you know, this is, this is the way I see it. Um, is that the case instead of using blame or criticize? And like Ian said, um, when that becomes your team company language, um, anyone else who doesn't fit that, like we had someone who just left us, we, we, we liberated them. Um, they were always criticizing and blaming other team members. Um, and that, that just didn't, it, it was so like obvious that they were not a fit because that language was so different. Hmm. It's amazing when you have somebody new. I think it also starts from the day that person starts. Mm -hmm. So we have a thank, I write a handwritten thank you note, welcoming them in their cubicle. I have a beautiful orchid on their desk. We give them the book, The Four Agreements. If you haven't read it, put it on your list. It's an easy read. So we give them a list of the four agreements. And we also have it this four agreements in our employee manual, which we still give them live, not just on electronic format. We have the little recap of the four agreements, but it's the moment they start. So it's kind of what Ian was saying. It starts with us. So I have to lead by example. We say family owned and community focused. How many of you have done some community work with your team members out in the community and how that makes you feel and how that brings your group together, not just in a retreat when you're going, but also giving back. It's amazing how you can bring everybody together with a giving project, especially in the holiday season, do it together. So I'm going to, I'm going to start to try to summarize some of the things that I'm, I'm hearing. Uh, it starts with, you know, define your, define your vision, define your core values, uh, then uh, articulate that vision, communicate it to your team. Uh, and then I'm hearing you guys say, you know, hire around that. Uh, and, you know, so, but what if, you know, you, you don't just define your vision and then like start hiring your team. Uh, everybody here, you know, has a team in place or is on a team. Uh, how do you bring your existing team uh, along? And, you know, you, great that you communicate your vision. Great that, that you tell people what you believe and what it wants to, what, what you want that to look like. Uh, and maybe even great that they give cognitive assent to 
Uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Let's do that. But there's a difference between conversion and culture. Uh, how do you go from conversion of, yeah, we've said it, we've defined it to culture. It becomes a part of who we are that, that begins to grow and, and, and just become part of the DNA of our, of our business. Uh, let's start. Uh, I'm going to go back to you, Melissa. Um, okay, so I brought up retreats. Someone asked in the chat already. So we do the retreat, but we bring it out. We do it during the workday because no one should have to do it on their weekends. I value the Sundays and the things we have at our own time, but bring it an outside in person so they come in and do it. So I think uh, team members get involved with it. So in December, when we do our fun, fun weekly parties, the teams plan it all. I just pay for everything. So doing fun building, get out of the way have a team member involved with the interviewing, share the processes. I always get told, share processes so we can understand. A lot of times we put our blinders on. We have to take our blinders off and see it from a 30,000 foot view, which I do all the time, but making sure I don't forget to share it with my team going, oh yeah, I have this idea. They're like, oh no, get out of the way. So um, I think the retreat is where we really, we take our vision apart and it's, it, I'll, I'll be happy to share that with you, but we take it apart about education, continued education, technology, and customer service. And we have an outsider tell us what that means. It doesn't have to be specific to property management, but somebody else does the retreat. And I, I don't get to know ahead of time. I'm a participant equally, just like everybody else on the playing field. Vivi, yeah. how about you? Yeah, um, we, so... I think part of the stickiness, right, of of um, customer service and converting your team into just almost automated, um, a, a automated thing is we have to provide them tools first to make it easy for them. You have to remove all the barriers. So one of the tools that we use um, is it's actually a lady. Um, she's a, an appreciation marketing specialist. So I outsource her. She does. She's not on my payroll. Uh, but I pay her a very minimum amount. And what she does is she manages gifting for our company. So um, it's a Google Drive spreadsheet. I mean, you guys can designate somebody on your team to do this too, is we maintain a Google spreadsheet on a monthly basis. And each team member is responsible for putting in a person, uh, two people a week, right? So whether it's a tenant, an owner, or a vendor, to send them something, an appreciation gift. This gift is, I mean, $25 worth of brownies, cookies, a card, flowers, whatever it is. Twix is candy there, bar. Hmm? Yeah, a Twix candy. candy bar. So we it's it's we we have the team, uh, we hold them accountable for coming up with two names a week. And based on their conversations with tenants, owners, vendors, whatever it is, they put it in and then. And then Christy will send out the gifts or the appreciation cards on our behalf because it does take time to handwrite a card. It does take time to, to shop. We don't have time, right? So get someone else to do it. And the great thing is when, when we started doing this a um, couple years ago, the team started getting thank yous and phone calls from tenants crying because, um, you know, we did something that was completely unexpected from a property management company. And it's the little things that we appreciate. And then, um, you know, we, we, the team actually started running out of people to appreciate. So they were started appreciating the tiniest little things like, hey, thank you so much for approving that estimate to get this AC fixed. <laughs> and the owner's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. But OK, awesome. Um, 
but yeah, so they, they, they got these appreciations back and then the team got addicted to this process. So now it's automated. Mm. They don't have to think about it. Yeah. Ian, what would you add to that? Gosh, there's so much meat here that I'm, I'm going to try and hit a few bullet points quickly for the sake of time and Phil just tell me to shut up um, whenever. But one thing we talk about is it's never too late to do the right thing. And so we all do have a team, but it's never too late to, to hire right. And so the speaker earlier today said, you're not just selling your buying, right? And it it's it's a selection process when you're when you're hiring. Don't think of it as you're just hiring or recruiting or you know, there's people out there and you should be filtering down and then selecting the right fit, you know, for who you want. It's never too late to do that. And when your team sees that, there there'll be change. Your current team will start changing. When they see that you are working out to protect them, the culture, investing in them they'll be changed. So it's, it's never too late to kind of go back. And, and one thing, you know, our tagline, I love taglines is, you know, we, we're, we're, we want patriots, not mercenaries. And so if you are the firm owner, if you got some mercenaries that are just for, for a paycheck, you know, they should be on your radar and vice versa. If, if you're not having joy or passion in, in your, in your job or your career, I would encourage you to, um, to look elsewhere, man. And life's too short. As, as far as the, 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 the company culture side, um, Melissa and Didi nailed it on a couple of items. I love to bring in the outside expert. I've been telling my team things for years. They don't listen to me, but I bring in the outside expert for 30 minutes and now it's like their lives are changed, you know? So uh, one thing that that helped me, and so if, if you're not the firm owner or the team leader, go go to them with some things, you know, that you, that you want to improve on. And so we started this year off and um, we sort of, th- brainstormed with the team, what are some areas we struggle in, whether it's, you know, tactical um, empathy or having hard discussions or, you know, um, av- avoiding um, difficult things. And, and we came up with a list of like 15 or 20 things we wanted to improve business and, and professional or and personally. And then it was my job to go get these outside experts or these workshops or these trainings. And if you, if you don't feel you can approach uh, your, your leader and, and have these discussions, um, well, one, I would challenge you to do so because I think they're going to be more receptive than you think. But but also, you know, I don't want anybody to go quit their job, but, you know, find a better fit for you as well. It works both ways, man. Um, mm. For sure. People don't quit companies. They, they quit leaders, right? So I like that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I'm going to jump in and also say that um, I don't know how many celebrate their work anniversaries, but when that, someone comes to work and you celebrate, we send it out to company at and you celebrate their anniversary, especially if they don't quite remember, they probably know it sometime, but then they come to work and there's a gift on their chair. Uh, there's a giant sweatshirt from baseball, whatever it is. And we actually, I don't do it. I get, I just got a list for September, how many birthdays are coming up and how many anniversaries. And one of our party leads assigns it out to team members that don't necessarily work together. So if I wanted to work with Didi and we weren't on the same team, we'd worked it that month to put the birthdays and the anniversaries together. And it's so much fun to see what they're doing. Oh, we're having an ice cream social. I had nothing to do with it other than paying the bill. So empowering each other, whether you're an owner or a manager or accounting department, um, it's amazing how we have to take care of one another within NARPM and within our own team. And it just, it's amazing when you do that, how good f- people feel. Mm. 
So you uh, you talked in the beginning, uh, Melissa, about retreat, retreat, retreat. Uh, I'm going to modify that to repeat, 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 uh, based on what the rest of you guys have said. You, you keep emphasizing those messages. You keep, uh, by modeling it, uh, by living it to them, by doing things for your team, uh, and then encouraging and, and rewarding them when, when they do uh, things for uh, the, the landlord or the, the resident, uh, love that. We have a, a saying um, in, in our company and we talk about it in the interview process. Uh, and uh, every, every now and then you're gonna, gonna have me come into to our team meetings and I'll get a, uh, a message from one of our supervisors and they'll say, hey, can you, can you come and, and give the, the, the smile and say, I love you sermon? Uh, because it's something that we talk about all the time. We, we, we tell people, listen, in every interaction with any human being, I want you to do two things. Number one, smile. I don't care if that is, uh, you know, if you're texting, if you're emailing, if you're calling, if you're on the phone, people can hear a smile in your voice. It changes the sound of your voice. But even if you're, if you are writing a text message or an email, it rewires your brain when you smile. You will communicate differently. So anytime you're communicating with another human being, whether it's a tenant, whether it's a property manager, whether it's one of our field technicians, doesn't matter who it is, always smile. And if you think that's weird, wait till you hear the second one, always say, I love you. And I don't mean that literally. I mean it figuratively because that would be creepy. Uh, but what I mean is care about that person, care about that individual, find a way to connect with them on a human level. Uh, and don't just let it be the next thing to check off on your list. Find a way to care and have compassion and take interest in them. Find a way to communicate. I love you. Uh, and, and we talk about that all the time. Smile and say, I love you. Smile and say, I love you. Did you smile and say, I love you? Uh, and just repeating that and pounding that message over and over again uh, to where it just becomes a part of your culture. Uh, and our team starts to abbreviate it now. Sassily, S-A-S-I-L-Y. Uh, smile and say, I love you. Uh, so uh, it's, a, it's, it's a fun way of, of repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, but you, you've talked about recognizing uh, the, the efforts of your team and, and rewarding what they've, they've done. What about when you have counter examples of people that you look at and go, gosh, it's, it's not. I mean, do you, how, how do you address that? What, 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 what do you just immediately uh, release them back into the workforce, as Ian said so eloquently? Uh, what what does that look like when you see somebody that's just not smiling and saying "I love you" on our team or whatever that is on your team? What, how do you handle that, uh, Melissa? I know uh, you you've had some experience with that. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what happens when you have somebody in your culture that doesn't buy into that? What does that look like? Yeah. So. Um... Uh, we, we're all sharing the good, bad, and the ugly today. So mistakes as well, because that's how we learn. And um, I waited too long to get rid of somebody that was very cancerous, very toxic. Um, and not only did she hurt the company by her attitude and the big size walking down the hallway, um, but I didn't release her fast enough, Ian. So I didn't, uh, I didn't do that. Put her back into the workforce, um, and she took two other employees out with with her. Meaning that that negativity took two more out. It's my fault. I, it's it's 100% on my shoulders because I was busy or I didn't want to admit this person who was so awesome for almost seven years went negative. And I should have addressed it, which I did one-on-one, -on -one, but I should have 
walked shut the door. And instead, we lost two more employees. And this has been a really rough year on my team. But I hired for culture and I've got amazing energy going on right now. I mean, it's so exciting. I even brought back some of my colorized checkoff list and forms for training instead of just using the paperless world. So I brought back like, I'm a freak with colored coordinated forms. So I brought back like all of my old ways of teaching and motivating. Because I, 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 the one more thing I want to share with you all before the next one talks is don't forget about NARPM. So I do motivational speaking, but you can have a NARPM member right down the street and Michael McCrary is a teacher and you can have someone like Michael in Atlanta go down and motivate Didi's team. I mean, don't forget your NARPM family that'll come walking in and guess what? Ian said they don't always listen to him, but they will listen to another property manager who speaks our language. So don't forget you have your own NARPM family down the street or in the same state that will drive. I mean, Karen Jordan and I are not that far away, but we can motivate each other's teams and don't, and it wouldn't cost a lot of money. It'd probably be a little lunch and a, and a smile. So don't forget that resource when you look to plan some of your, your next visions. So Melissa, you you talked a little bit about having somebody on your team that was toxic. Um, Dee Dee or Ian, I would love to hear what you guys hear about uh, what happens. I mean, we, we talk about customer service, but I'm not a believer that customers always ride. Uh, I just don't. And Ian talked about, you know, his primary customer is his team. What happens when you have a customer who is toxic? How do you approach that and still maintain a, a culture of customer service? Those things at their surface uh, seem to be at odds with one another. Uh, but what, what does that look like? Uh, let, let's start with Ian, since he, he had the, the idea that his, his team was his first uh, customer. Yeah, so I'm a firm believer that no one you liberate back to the workforce should ever be surprised. And so this, uh, this concept of, you know, hire slow, fire fast, to me, it's not so much the speed, it's, you know, when they, they, when they come in and that moment when you're having that, that heart tough conversation with them, which is your job, you know, you, you need to protect the culture and get rid of the toxicity, but they shouldn't be surprised or, or it's a failure on your part. And so what we've tried to engineer is people will continue, continually rise up and, and, and grow, or they're going to, they're going to fail out, right? Either they will self-recognize they're not a good fit or I'll recognize for them. Um, and so we sort of engineer pressure, you know, diamonds are made through pressure, right? And so I, I want an A team that's just going to continually rise and pull together. And, and, and that's, you know, sort of what, what we do. I don't know if that answers your question or not, Phil. So if you have a follow-up question or. Yeah, no, you're good. And, and, good. and just so you know, I'm getting messages that we've got six minutes left uh, from uh, Emily at the, at the main room. Uh, but Didi, what about uh, toxic customers? Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you handle that when you're in your business? Yep, we always do our best to like. I just recently had a um, client who refused to fix an AC. It was 85 degrees outside. He's like, I don't see why that's my problem. I'm selling the property. I don't need to fix it. And we explain. You know, you do your best to explain the why behind right needing to do something. And at some point you just say, well, we have to do the right thing just because you're my client doesn't mean I have, I'm going to do everything you asked me to do. Um, the right thing is to take care of uh, the AC for this tenant. And so we, we are property managers, right? We're not um, secretaries. We're not note takers. Um, so we're here to do the right thing at the end of the day. And a, a client like that, 
we will liberate them all day long as well. So to jump in there, I will say that we, we have a saying here, another one. I love these sayings and take lines. You know, people are fascinating, right? So anytime we're talking about someone like, man, you know, John's, John is fascinating. And that's just code for, we got to work harder for them or this or that. But if they become disrespectful or undermine us, there's certain things that we just won't put up with. And at the end of the day, my team knows if I got their back. So we're going to just like DD, if, if I know they're working harder and trying to deliver a, a great experience for these clients. Um, and, and some, sometimes you just got to break up. It's just the way it goes. They're a better fit for another company and we'll refer them to, to someone down the street. I was going to say, segue into that. You want to have your your employees really happy. Ask them for the top one to three clients they would fire and fire them. And we just fired two. Oh my God. It's so awesome. I can't celebration. go away. She just, I think I have 65, 75 emails from her. She won't go away, but just, just, and lead, like help exit them out the door. Fire one to three of your clients. Ask your teams, who's the top three and why say, and don't let them share, say, just give it to me, delivered me in an envelope or a sealed piece of paper. Who's the top three clients you would fire and do it. Get rid of them. Yeah. A lot of good ones. Yeah. right now. I love the word, the, the fascinating. We have our own code word uh, in our company. They'll, they'll say, uh, uh, I have a precious one on the line. Uh, precious is our code word. Uh, can, can somebody talk to a precious one? Um, but uh, so we got three minutes left, um, and I do want to say I, I love what you were you were saying there, uh, Melissa. A question that I ask my team all the time, you know, when something gets escalated to the CEO level, I take it pretty seriously, and so uh, they'll hear me ask them, "Hey, do you want me to salvage this client, or do you want me to sever from this client? Uh, liberate, I think, is our new our new word, right? Uh, do you want me to liberate this client? Uh, but uh, it is amazing the cultural impact that it has on your team when they know that you're looking at them going, Hey, I've got your back. If you feel like this is a person who's being unreasonable and we need to part ways with them. Uh, most of the time they'll say, no, 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 fix it, fix it, fix it. Uh, but sometimes they'll go, Nope, done with this guy. Let's be done. Uh, and it's amazing the impact that it has in the room. So let me just, uh, I, I've been taking some notes. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, gosh, I wanted to get some, some stories, but we're not going to have time. Um, so I want to summarize what I'm hearing uh, from you guys, uh, and I hope I'm, I'm getting this right. But um, number one, start with you. And, and I think it's important in this room, even if you're not the broker owner, you know, the, the fountainhead of the organization, customer service is contagious uh, and that culture is contagious. So it can start with anybody in an organization who starts to plant that because you're going to see results, uh, whether it starts with the broker owner or it starts with somebody who's, who's directly in the, in the trenches, uh, it starts with you and you can impact that. Uh, for the broker owner, it's important for you to articulate your vision, identify your core values. Uh, number three, hire true believers, hire around those values uh, and fire around those values. Uh, make sure that you're, you're reinforcing that. Uh, retreat, 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 repeat, repeat, repeat. Continue to hammer home those core values and every opportunity that you can. Smile and say, I love you. Whatever you want to use to, to communicate that. Uh, recognize, reward, reinforce. Uh, love that. Uh, recognize the people who are doing it well. Uh, reward them for doing it well and reinforce that when they're not doing it well. And then the last thing we talked about was protect that fiercely. Uh, whether it's a team member or a client, uh, who is who is hurting that culture? Uh, protect it fiercely and and never allow anything to come between you and that core DNA. Um, 
So um, love that. Some really rich content. Thank you guys uh, for that. Um, I did have a question that came in uh, that I think is valuable. And we got one minute if somebody wants to speak to this. How does this translate to remote team members? Uh, a lot of the things you're talking about are easy, you know, with, with in-office. How does this translate to remote team, team members? I'll take it. Um, I just hired my eighth remote team member. Um, I value them. When, when we had new staff just come on board, we actually did a Zoom with them. We respect them. So we include them in our, in our, on our daily fun and things we're doing. And we, we recognize their anniversaries. But make sure that when you, you have somebody new, don't forget, they want to meet them too. So we did a big welcome and oh my God, the smile. we give them a little bonus on every anniversary to our remote team members. And like something like $100 as a bonus is like a thousand or more dollars to someone that lives in the Philippines. So I really think that um, including them in things and recognizing them and having them be a part of our celebrations and it makes them feel like they're a part of us even though they're thousands of miles away. Love that. Uh, we, we're out of time. Can you guys just give these guys a hand? Thank so much to the industry. Thank y'all so much for, for contributing your wisdom. That's all for today's Triple Win Property Management Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your life with us. We do not take it for granted. I also want to give a shout out to Carol Housel for everything she and our team does to make these possible. It's crazy to think about over 5,000 professional property managers have pressed play on episodes in season one and season two now. And we really want to encourage you to keep giving feedback because more and more people are listening. It's getting better and better and better thanks to everything that you're sharing with us. If you like this enough to listen, I want to encourage you to share it with other people. Um, you can give us feedback directly on those social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you're hanging out. You can also send us an email at triplewin at secondnature.com. And we just want to give more. We're, we're, there's no sales pitch here. Just want to offer more resources that help you find and stack your next triple win and become a triple win driven property manager. So where can you find that? You can find the private Facebook group. You can find our blog. You can find our newsletter. You can find more resources all at rbp.secondnature.com. Just search for what you're looking for there. And every time we see you, we want to see a better version of you and your business to that end. Keep it going, feel inspired, take our encouragement, and we'll see you next time.